everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Televoid. I'm one of your hosts, Mara Kate Elliott, and I'm joined this week by our lovely special guest host, Lisa Easton. Hey, Lisa. You see, something happened that night. I was transformed. I still feel love, pleasure, pain. My life is just like yours, except for one small difference. It never ends. That's from recently canceled ABC series Forever. Hey Lisa, and hey. we are joined by special guest Carly Lane. Hey. hey Carly, I can't, I can't, I can't follow that. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Who would want to? I will. Well, that was my goal, I mean, really. So, <laughs> and and honestly, I, I, I'm a little upset that, that this exists because it makes me want to dislike forever, even though it, it probably retroactively, yeah. It la- anyway. forever lasted longer than the show we're about to talk about. So, yes, yeah, so the, the show in question, New Amsterdam, you may not have ever heard of. We watched the uh, ridiculous like lead-up penultimate episode, season one of only one season, episode seven, Reclassified. Now, this is a show that was basically a vampire show without the vampirism. <laughs> like, that's... What, I, there's a lot of my notes are just me like... This is so boring. It's like a vampire, but it's not really Angel. Because yeah. I'm a huge fan yeah. of Angel. Yeah. And it's like, it was just all the beats of Angel, but like, there's, okay. So anyway, so basically, previously, we'll get to the previously, because I have notes on the previously, that's how ridiculous <laughs> they were. But this guy, the main character, is named Amsterdam. His last name is literally Amsterdam, which is infuriating on its own. Um, but he is a 400-year-old man who's never died. So it's also vaguely, I, I've never actually seen it or read it, but it's very similar to the story of Winter's Tale, from what I understand, too. Like a kind of a cop that never ages and who's been in the city for 400 years. Although in his case, I don't know if he ever really became, like, you know, a standard Law and Order style cop, but he's someone who's, like, trying to fight crime and using his 400 years I, uh, of experience. <laughs> like, I, think I, on, I, I think we need to, this is what it says, like, I'll read just the brief part of it on Wikipedia. Yeah. It says, John Amsterdam is an NYPD homicide detective who is 400 years old, but has the appearance of a 35-year-old. He was a Dutch soldier in Manhattan in the year 1642 when he stepped in front of a sword. Got questions yeah, about that. Stepped in front of a sword to save the life of a Native American girl during a massacre of her tribe. The girl, in turn, rescued Amsterdam by weaving a spell that conferred immortality upon him. It was also prophesied that he would not age until he finds his one true love, and only then will he become whole and ready for mortality. Like, that is a horrible setup for a show. I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> the, the thing that makes me a little like I did a little research on the show because I had never seen it I mean I I, rem- I vaguely recall seeing like previews for it on TV yeah I remember the promos a lot because yeah yeah I, I uh, Nic- uh, Nikolai Coaster Waldo is the star of it and I remember him from like Wimbledon and uh firewall and stuff like that and so it was like oh that guy is gonna be on a show yeah and then so- we never watched it so um but I so I did a little research on the show because I was like, I, I'm only vaguely familiar with the premise. And, you know, the whole thing is he's like 400 years old. He's lived multiple lives. He's, you know, become a cop and in today's world, which I guess is like 2008, 2009. Um, and he, but he has, he's had all these families and all these descendants that are like, and he like keeps track of all his kids that he's fathered yeah. and I'm like I don't know something about that something about that feels 
something about this that feels super icky to me. Oh, I have I'm not so many lie. questions then, about this. And then you learn that the the old black guy is one of his descendants. It's incredible, the guy Omar. And, oh god, he's just so. I'm wild. like, I was like, what? <laughs> what? Yes. yes. <laughs> Omar. So yeah. In the in the previous in the previous leaves. Well, okay. Before we get to the previous, commenting on the Wikipedia page, the reason why we pulled this oh, episode yeah. originally is because if you, I'm gonna link it because you need to see it for yourself. The timeline of this show that's kept that's kept track on the Wikipedia page yeah. is more sophisticated than some like actual historical. And this show only had like, eight episodes, and it's that bananas. Eight episodes. It was terrible, and it has like. Like, as of the pilot, John has had 609 girlfriends, a few wives, and 63 no, children. His he, current dog is 36. Like, he keeps a detailed family tree. It's just so creepy. He's been a, he's been in the service in the Army, Marines, Navy, Coast Guard. No, not the Air Force. He don't forget, like dogs, his dogs didn't have names. He numbered them. I know! That's, that's terrible! <laughs> don't, for, don't forget, he was also a stand-up comedian. <laughs> what? I don't remember the word. Where did that come in? What? Uh, February 1964. Oh, of course. Working as a nightclub comedian. Oh, my God! to kill a normal human and ends up in a mental institution well, after leaving he enters Alcoholics Anonymous. I need to say something, though. Like, I have nothing <laughs> against Kuster uh, uh, Waldau, the, the guy who's playing the main guy. Jamie Lannister. Jamie Lannister. Also, I have yeah. nothing against Jamie right. Lannister. <laughs> but he does not strike you as the type that will be a I'm very like, a charismatic comedian. Yeah, there's, like, a lot of things, there's a lot of things that Jamie Lannister is good at. He's very handsome. I'm sure he can like, wield a sword. I've never seen Game of Thrones. But... Comedy is smoldering. Not, yeah, and honestly, stand-up comedy is not the first thing I think of when I think of it. And there's a couple things at play here because it's not just that he's a stand-up comedian at one point, which is insane. When I compared him to Angel, I compare him to David Boreanaz's Angel, which although yeah. Angel had several like funny beats in it, it usually was a very dark show with a very solemn main character. I would buy David Boreanaz's Angel doing stand-up comedy. Exactly, that's what I was saying. A hundred like, times before but I it's would a buy this guy. thing. Because David Boreanaz has also done comedy. Like, he has a lot yeah. more funny stuff on Bones, for example. So he has the ability right. to do that. This guy does not, the, the Lannister dude does not have the ability to, for me to believe that he could transition to being funny, even if he's not funny in this role. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, didn't, it didn't lend itself to that at all. No. Like, it was kind of weird to even, like, the idea of him even being, like, having any of a personality. He's so, like, blank. Like, he's just, it's as if yeah. there's nothing even the there. Only, the only point of reference I have today for his, like, him having a more comedic side is they did a they did a Game of Thrones parody on Saturday Night Live and he was in it but he was playing more of the straight man to like because he was still playing Jamie that's Lannister hilarious, essentially but not right funny. but he not a stand up comedian I also just want to say looking at this timeline <laughs> uh, acor- according to the timeline he's he's helped to chase down John Wilkes Booth and he also had a relationship with yes. Emily Dickinson like yes. what like. And well, then, then we'll go a little what? further down. There's another part here where Thelonious Monk <laughs> buys one of John's desks after a show with Coltrane. Yeah. And then, then, then ten years later, they need to know because it's so important to the plot of John's life. Coltrane dies, still mad at John. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter that Coltrane here's, died. It was that he was still mad at John. Yeah, here's that was my the real <laughs> main takeaway. Here's my other John favorite Coltrane thing. John Coltrane dying. Yeah, here's my other favorite thing about oh this history God. of John Amsterdam is, okay, his birth name is like Johan van der Zee because he was born, he's Dutch, so he's born in Holland. So then he has other, like, names, but they're so hilarious because it's literally like 
Dutch Amsterdam. Like, like I mean, <laughs> no, 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 no. I was born really in Amsterdam, no, and no, I'm no, Dutch, no, no, no. so my name is going to be Dutch Where? Amsterdam. Where? Where does it say? Oh my alien. God! It does say Dutch Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. And then, like later at another point, his name his name is John York. So he's like, okay, I'm going to be John, and I live in New York. And it's also kind of fucked because York. we're made to understand that he has this immortality until he finds the one. But we're, like like you mentioned, Carly, he's fathered, like, hundreds of children and had, mo- like, hundreds of lovers. So it's like, he, it's just such a creepy thing where he's going to get married and have children. They said, And he's yeah, like, yeah, she's yeah, not it, the one, obviously, though, because I'm still immortal. It's kind like, of six. It's, yeah, it's super creepy because they said he's had over 600 girlfriends, a, f- a few wives. They don't even count them. They just say there's a few. And 63 children. And he, apparently he keeps a detailed family tree of all his wives and known descendants. And it's not just that he's, oh not just, that, like, it'd be one thing if this was, like, not to get into other shows that we've watched, but, like, an early edition style thing where he's, like, a very celibate weirdo. It's when you bring the weird sexuality into it. Like, it's not just that he was married with kids. He steps out on his wife multiple times. He's like, this isn't even a likable guy. Like, he seems like a kind of a yeah. little bit of a Lothario. And, I mean, who's gonna blame him? He's literally immortal. I understand that. But, like, don't also have him get married and have children. Like, have him accidentally father children. It doesn't seem that way. It seems like he's supposed to be this loving father right. who happens to step out, out on his Out of 63 children, I'm sure a few were accidents. Right. Well, that's I mean. true. But, like, it was more just, like, they're trying to emphasize that he's this great stand-up guy the whole episode. From what I can tell, the whole show, he's, like, this this amazing, like, hero of the show. And really, he's, like, a very complicated, unlikable weirdo, from the sound of it. Like, he's having affairs with models. Like, it's weird. Yeah, His wife and son are leaving for other... Like, it's just... It's bizarre. Like... You're right. And if and if the whole point of the show is that he's immortal because he hasn't found his one true love, then why would he... I mean, maybe it's this, like, they're trying to portray him as this, like, hopeless romantic. Like, he's, you know, he really was in love with these women and thought that they were the one and then they weren't. But then that begs the question, like, how can you go through almost 700 people and not find, like, the person you're supposed to And marry to be multiple with? women. Not just one, like, multiple right. women. Yeah. And it wasn't well, like... that to me is if, weird. What That's if the weird. ending of the series was, like, you know, I've never... I have ne- not found my soulmate in 400 years, and they were like, it's because maybe you have, but you're incapable of love. Something like that. Mm. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you gotta at least, like... Explain like why he's not considering these women the loves of his life. If that's such a huge, right. you shouldn't make that the, the reason why you're not immortal. You should just be immortal and then not make that even a factor. When that's a factor, it makes everything suddenly so like loaded when it doesn't need to be. It just needs to be. He's immortal. Oh well, he's just can't find right. love because he's immortal and he's. If anything, he'd be conflicted to try and like that's a very common thing with uh, like I said the vampire aspect of it is. Usually, most vampires are very conflicted if they fall in love with humans because the humans are going to die. And that's, like, a whole thing. Right. That they're going to either change the human or they can't change the human, depending on the human. And just a bunch of stuff there is at play besides just, oh, once I've met this person, I'm going to be with them for the rest of my life. Like, there's no... It doesn't seem like there's any complication between, like, I'm going to keep living and, and you're not. Especially because by the time we're watching this episode and most of the show, from what we can understand... He's met the one, or who he thinks is the one. So it's like, well, we're not even watching him try and find that person. He's found that person. So it's like, we're watching, like, the very end of a, of a story. Like, you want to watch the build-up to that. You don't care. If, like, starting a show once he's found the one and he's no longer immortal, the whole premise of the show becomes moot. Because now he isn't immortal from this, the, the basic, like, 
gist of what they're trying to explain is that he's in love with this one woman in this episode and now he's gonna die eventually or he feels like time is gonna end where he didn't feel that before like oh jesus <laughs> i just I, yeah i have so many issues with this but so let's i'd be very well no i would just be very curious to know if like if the show got canceled midway through it actually this, like this season i think they I think just it burned it off is what happened because i was reading and it said oh, that really? it said it was actually supposed to debut in the fall of 2007 and then they put it they stopped production after eight episodes which it was mid-season and they put it on in mid-season 2008 so they didn't even okay you know most shows get a 13 episode order and they didn't even shoot 13 so and it's it's weird because it's like you go back and you look at it and it did rank number one at its time slot and everything and it had like 13 million viewers which nowadays is unheard obviously unheard of even though this is just seven years ago but like it was, it was not the kind of show that I think, this actually would have done better now, which is why we were mentioning Forever. It has, like, it, in fact, when we mentioned Forever, like, the author literally tried to bring charges against the show because it was practically the exact same plot. Well, what it is is, there's Forever actually, was adapted. no, Forever was not adapted. I was looking at that, too. The guy, there's a guy that wrote a book called Forever that has a really similar concept, and when this show came on, New Amsterdam, he was like, um, hello, and the guy who wrote New Amsterdam was like, I never read your book. And so then cut to last year, and Forever comes on, and he's like, excuse me, and then they were like, we never read your book either. So, yeah. Wow, I didn't know and that. He even I tried to get, actual... he tried to get ABC to change the title from Forever to something else, and they wouldn't do it, so... Yeah, there's a book called Forever by Pete. And there's something. Can I just say, like, from a from a purely spiteful point of view, there's something really lovely about a show called Forever and a show about a guy who's immortal called New Amsterdam getting canceled before it's even eight nine episodes. Like their their immortality does not translate to the show itself. It's strictly just the character. It's kind of ironic. Um, So anyway, so. So this episode starts off with the previouslys. The previouslys are insane right off the bat because there's like, <laughs> there's this, there's this like random scenes from old episodes, and it's just like really like good thing you didn't watch these because like the acting is horrible even in yeah. the previouslys, <laughs> and it's like, uh, there's like uh, of course it's probably the pilot line where someone said one of his partners says to him, "You keep that up, you'll die young," and it's uh-huh. like, oh, wink to camera, like he's not gonna die young, <laughs> and then and then the other girl, the girl I think it's the guy, the girl he's dating, because I'm gonna be honest, a lot of the women in this show look alike, so it was hard for me to tell who was who, but uh, he was saying like, uh, you'll keep that up, if, well she says you'll keep that up if you die young, and then another person says he's got this weird sense of humor, this past life's thing. Like, past life's thing? Like, <laughs> that's not a sense of humor. Where is the humor in I've been alive in other lives? Oh, you're hilarious, John. Like, that's not the same thing. And then, of course, this is, and then we also find out he has told the girl he's dating. That's I am pretty early. Old, is that like, is pretty <laughs> early in a show or a relationship, because a lot of shows would have dragged that information out for ev- forever. <laughs> of, like, forever. I mean, I appreciate it. It's the Vampire Diaries thing where they burn the wound immediately. I can appreciate it, but it's just... Usually a show would drag that out for a whole season, at least. It, this seems like it was in, like, episode four or five or something, so she's known for a little while now. Or at least one episode before this, which is six. Um, so, this is all, like, you know... The, the backstory, I guess, is supposed to, you're supposed to glean from that that she knows about him, but everybody else is still sort of just, like, up in the air... Um, although he does, it, and then he says to her, Omar is my son. 
And Elmar is not just, like, like a, a guy that is, like, somewhat older than him. Omar is playing, uh, it's played by, uh, I can't think of his name, what's his name? It's John? He's Stephen, Stephen Henderson. Henderson. Okay. So he, he's 65 years and old. He, and he is almost always playing, like, an older gentleman. He's great, but he's just right. not, he, like, recently he was on um, Elementary as the, the uh, apartment owner for Joan, and he's done a lot of, like, um, he was a judge on Law and Order, he was, let me see what other stuff would jump out. Like, he's not someone who you would mistake as being... Like, you could have done a lot more subtle a job. They picked someone who is, like, decidedly older than, um... Jamie Lannister. I don't even... I can't Just follow his full name. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, so, like, this is not a situation where you're like, hmm, I wonder if he's older. It's like, oh my gosh, he's much older. So it's just, it's just very heavy-handed and, like, ha isn't it funny? Omar's my son. And, uh, Omar is... I don't know what he is a teacher. I think in his I thought he was time. like a bartender or something. <laughs> all of his... It's like a bar. He own like a rest. He owns he owns the club. Because remember, he comes up and he's like, "You're still awake. I've I've just closed. You know, I closed up for the night or whatever." Because he goes up and talks to John, and it's like three in the morning. Oh yeah, that remember might be that yeah. scene. Jesus Christ! I blocked a lot of it out. <laughs> but yeah, so Omar is his son, which is just sort of another like wink to camera, like. But Omar is like sixty five. Dot dot dot. <laughs> that makes you like secretly a million. Um, and then uh, so on top of all of this, like that's kind of like where we're thrown into the episode. And then we immediately just go on to like, shouldn't we wait for a negotiator? And then we get the partner like, <laughs> he is a negotiator. It's <laughs> like, oh, right. this dialogue's awful from the get go. Can I just say the opening shot of uh, a past due notice covered in blood? Oh, I was like, Jesus. I didn't even notice that's, that. I was that's like, that's the yeah. opening shot. That's the opening shot is a past due bill notice covered in blood, cut to dead body, and then it's like a hostage, you know, crisis. I thought we, uh, yeah, I thought we're definitely in trouble. This is trouble. And the negotiation scene is in fury. I was livid. It was, oh my god. So what essentially happens, we don't know what happens, but we had to animate it based on how things go in negotiating, but essentially a father, the creepy, the hockey fan father wearing a hockey jersey has murdered his wife because she was probably arguing about the bills versus him going to a game. Right. And then right. he's now taken his young son hostage with a knife, yeah. I think, in his bedroom. Yeah, knife point. And so the yeah. wife is, or not, shot her, I guess she was stabbed too, but the wife is now dead. And John goes right. in trying to negotiate. And his, his way of negotiating is like, well, I'm going to negotiate about sports tickets. He, I'm going to lie. He's, you know? His way of negotiating is like, I'm going to lie to your face. I'm going to tell you about this great, the NFL championship game in 1958 that I was at, how great it was. And no one there makes yeah. any kind of and comment, just, like, how are you right, at a 1950s right, right. hockey game? And just, like, Ugh. if you put the knife down, you could take your kid to the hockey game, and your wife is still alive. Right. It'll be fine. She'll forgive right. yeah, you. She'll forgive you. Just mad. put the knife down. And then he does. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, he lies. He lies and tells him the, that the wife is okay and on her way to the hospital. I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" It was that's a, that's a horrible thing to say, especially the when kids the kids right there. Right there. The, kids the kid there. thinks his mom is it's alive. Awful. And like, it's awful. It's oh, awful. And then on top terrible. of that, like, it's not even like a situation where like he knows something about this is a case that's been going on the whole episode, and then we know he's a big sports fan. He like happens to glance on a computer, and there's like two seats out of a hockey game, like yeah. like hanging out. The tickets I'm on like, the, this on is the table. bullshit. Yeah. I'm like, there's no way they happen to be laid out so perfectly, like flicked over <laughs> like that. And he's 
Do you ever have hockey tickets? They're in an envelope. They're put away. You're not going to lie them around <laughs> on the table. If you murder your wife. But So then he walks in the room. He's like, takes one glance. He's like, I got this. And he starts walking over to him. And, he's, and he, like, gets up and close to get the knife away from him. I'm like, there's no way these cops would let someone get that close there's to a hostage There's no way that would work. Situation. No, no. He'd be, he'd be super far away. He'd have to convince him to slide the knife. Like, you don't just, you're not able to, I don't mean, I don't know that much about negotiating. But I imagine you can't just walk right up to a young child being held at knife point and then just take it out of the father's hand. But so then everything, of course, works out. And then on top of that, when someone says to him, like, uh, where are you going? When he finishes negotiating and the guy's getting arrested, he's like, back to bed. I was like, I fucking hate this show! It made me live it! I was like... He's like, he, he goes, you dragged me out of bed for this shit? We're watching and then he's this like, fucking show! Okay, this is what I don't like. I hate when shows do this, where they act like something that just happened is so arbitrary. Because I'm like, you yeah. assholes, you just made us sit through 15 minutes, or not 15 minutes, 10 minutes of this at least. Like, enough of this that I'm like, you're basically saying our time was wasted because we're the ones watching this. Because if it's so irrelevant and pointless, why show it? Why not just right. Just talk about that tiny and it bit? Makes, and it makes him sound like a he dick. Is he's a dick. dick. Yeah. He saved this kid. He's... He saved this kid's life, and then they're like, where are you going? I mean, and he's like, um, it's too early for this like, shit. I'm back to bed. And also, like, like, what kind of cops are going to do paperwork after that? That's just so pissed. I mean, like, he saved- You have to at least file a police report. Yeah, he's- you, you pulled a, a knife from a dude's hand. Like, come on. He saved the kid's life, but he did so by telling him that his mother was fine. So now the kid's right, going to go right. outside, and they're going to be like, by the way, uh, that guy's a dick, and your mom is Here's dead. Your mom's body, Can you yeah. step over your mother's like, body around. on the way out, by the way? At least wait around and tell the kid, like, I'm sorry, you understand I had to do this for your safety and have a kid, like, nod. It would be terrible, but at least it would be like, okay, at least he understands he's being an asshole. This guy doesn't seem to... And, I, I mean, again, I kind of get it, because he's a 400-year-old crazy person, and I watch a lot of Sherlock Holmes adaptations. That's kind of par for the course with a lot of really good detectives. They're weird, and they're acerbic, and they're antisocial. Fine. But, like... Don't act like, as he says, going by the bed, I feel like even if I didn't see it happen, I feel like the partner, like, smiles, like, oh, John. Like, you shouldn't have to be, like, I don't, I don't want to have to watch someone be that ridiculously brusque and rude to the victims of a, a serious crime. And then try and be like, oh, shucks. Like, no, this is serious. Yeah, so blase. If anything, yeah. give him, like, I mean, he did have, like, a drinking habit, but, like, give him some kind of, a like, a conflicted, like... Like, at least when, when a Sherlock Holmes or uh, some other version of a detective that has serious issues like that, they're usually haunted by the fact that they're antisocial. It's not like it's a thing that is, like, this funny quirk of theirs. It, like, destroys their life, usually, and it makes it hard for them to have friends or hard for them to have any kind of conversation with people. Like, that's... The, the interest of it is that it applies beyond just his work life and it seems like in his, his personal life is just flourishing and he's totally a fine so it's just like oh you're just being a dick to everybody pretty much it's not just that he's I don't know rude he's just being like absolutely mean when he doesn't need to be and it's a child at the end of the day at least at least go to bat for a child like at least that usually cracks the, the hard shell of even like Angel is what you know that, that cracks Angel open when he's got a kid at, on, in, in play because it's it's a higher risk because it's an innocent. I don't know. So anyway, so that's where I was. This is already like garbage. But then of course they introduced Joyce Summers, which I was like, wait, what? Yes. <laughs> hey, Joyce. Sutherland. Sutherland. I was like, Joyce, you're alive. Yeah, she is. Well, <laughs> she almost died in this. So poor, yeah. poor Christine Sutherland cannot catch a break. 
and neither can her husband in this, who's Chris Bauer. So, um... Also playing another Andy. Andy. Another yeah, Andy. I know. Always, I know that always some another cop a, named Andy. Yeah, always some kind of a, yeah. you know, dock worker slash cop name. He's one of the... And I actually was just watching the elementary episode with him in it. This is so funny. Yeah. And so he plays um, kind of the gruff ex-partner of uh, uh, John before... John. I, he's apparently gone through multiple partners. Shocker, because he's such a lovely dude. Um, and then one of the he was the first partner. At, well, here's where in this lifetime, <laughs> I, I, I want to hold on to this fact because I feel like it's good to talk about later. But when he first joins the force, you get eventually a flashback to it. But like he is like supposed to be this like young up and comer, and uh, Chris Bauer is his ex partner. He visits him in the hospital. And we find out he's been now dying of leukemia, I think, or he has some yes. kind of cancer. Yeah, he has leukemia, yeah. And he doesn't look great. It's He's not, not very long left to live. Um, well, he says, I have a couple weeks left, and then about 47 times in the rest of the episode, which is only 43 minutes long, he says, he's going to die, like, in three days. I'm going to die in two days. I'm going to die in a week. He mentions it almost at the end of every sentence, that he's about to die. Yeah, yeah. it's it's ridiculous. And I think... What I don't understand entirely is that you're supposed to feel like they were kind of, like, they left at odds, kind of, but they seem like they're still friendly. I, it's hard to tell whether or not they hated each other or not, although we do find out eventually why he left and, like, the situation that, I, that arose because of it. But it certainly felt like at first you were like, oh, there's, like, some kind of bad blood here, because partly that's just Chris Bauer's shtick, is that he usually has a bit of a antagonistic side. Um, although he's very, very, like, very amiable, but he's usually kind of, not, I wouldn't say, like, the villain, but he sort of plays somebody who has an ulterior motive, uh, which does, of course, come into play, because he gets typecast to do exactly this role, like, 80 other times. Yeah. So, uh, so, this is also the point where my notes, because at this point, John has not really said quite that much, but when he starts talking to Chris Bauer, his accent goes into, like, full force, and I was like, alright, I need to really sit down and, like, have a conversation about the accent. Now, is he doing a... Bronx accent or something? His, like, his accent is so confusing. It's all over the place. Like, one minute it sounds like it's just, like, clear Bronx or Brooklyn. Then other times it just sounds like he's just talking in, like, regular, not with any accent at all. And I'm like, he's 400 years old. And Why and, would he have a thick accent regardless of where it's coming from? Yeah, and yeah, he's, he's got that, like, European, I mean, uh, Waldo's, like, Danish, not Dutch, but it's a similar kind of thing. So he's, his actual accent comes through sometimes, too. And then sometimes he's like, it sounds like he's trying to do some kind of New York borough accent. Oh, he's trying to do yeah. some kind of and New I'm York like, accent, but it's, like, too much. And also, he's 400 years old. Why would he have an accent? He would he would have eliminated, it would have been, if anything, he would have no accent. Yeah. If, he, if he's going to have an accent, or maybe, like, an old, like old-fashioned accent, like a somewhat British accent. But 400 say, Look, years of living in New York, you're gonna not have a Dutch accent anymore. Or keep the Dutch... He's fucking Dutch originally, right? You say he's a soldier. Yeah. He's Dutch Amsterdam. <laughs> he can just keep the Dutch accent. That would have made more sense to me than just suddenly having this, like, random, like, hey, buddy, what's up? Like, it's, like, it's weird yeah, so of an just, accent It's, like, choose. a weird acting like, choice. Hey, hey, it's, like, weird. It's just very, like... It felt very bizarre for him to have that, of all the choices, because he's just, like, well-to-do, like, you know, full of himself, prestigious background kind of guy most of the time, and then he has, like, this, like, like, talking about the Mets <laughs> accent, it's like, I, this doesn't make sense, like, even, like, again, I keep bringing, I don't want to keep, I don't mean to keep bringing about the Sherlock so much, but I feel like if you're gonna have 
um, somebody who has, like, you know, some kind of an aristocratic background, it just feels like it makes more sense to have at least someone of, a, like, a, a more elegant elocution or something, and this guy just did not have it. And I guess that was a choice on his part, but we didn't see why. Like, we don't, he's not living in this, and he's not living, like, a, a modest existence. He's living, like, on, like, he's meeting John Coltrane. And like, <laughs> like, this is not someone who has, like, downplayed his 400 years, is what I'm trying to say. So the accent part of it seems like it's almost, like, anachronistic for, for someone to be this this well-to-do and then have a thick Brooklyn accent. I guess, I mean, that's supposed to, I guess, part of be the charm of him is you're like, oh, this guy's so, like, approachable, even though he's 400 I think old, you're reading but... a lot into it when it, I, I think, <laughs> and this is, I'm, I'm gonna say this to, like, all the actors on this show I have seen in other things, and they were all good in other things, but everyone is terrible on this show including him i mean it is it's bad writing so that doesn't help it's just all cliched and terrible writing but the acting is painful well that's a good transit for a second i want to talk the co-creators of this it's a weird couple because it's christian taylor who wrote the white rabbit episode of lost he ep'd teen wolf for a long time during its better seasons and he also was a producer on six feet under and then there's Alan Loeb, who, among other things, is not quite a story to history, but he wrote Here Comes the Boom, and that's a soft spot for me, because I actually really enjoy that movie for some stupid reason. <laughs> so, like, they're, they're capable of doing, like, more sophisticated writing, or at least the one guy is. Not here. But, I mean, maybe it just... Yeah, at this point, they just gave up or something. Like, it felt, it felt like this is too far into the series to really... Like, they had already kind of... It's the John Doe of it all. Like, I, Carly here on the John Doe episode, it feels very similar where they're like, look, we already, like, have this tenpole down that he has to be this, like, you know, argumentative, weird, like, antisocial whack job. We're gonna have to stick with it, even though it doesn't really make sense for him to keep that personality up, even though he's the main character of a show. Like, that should have been addressed at this point. I guess we're spoiled by shows nowadays actually delving into, like, the neuroses that the main characters have a little more honestly than they have in the past. But, like, he just does not seem to be dealing with how rude he is. No one's calling him on his bullshit at all. He seems like a, like a, like everyone's favorite dude at the precinct. They're all like, oh, it's you, Johnny Amsterdam. It's our favorite guy. It's like, what? This guy's a jerk to everyone. Even his boss at first is like, oh, you can't work this case. And then she's like, meh, I'll give you a week. Go ahead. All it's right, fine. it's you, John. <laughs> really? And so, he's not. She yells at him, and then she's like, "Yeah, oh, he's John, not charming enough on this show to get away with that." Like, right? No, no, no. <laughs> not by a long shot. Like, you have to be even the minimum charming of just good at your job. <laughs> he doesn't even seem to always be good at his job. He's reckless. Those are the types of things that would come up in a police report. I guess Chris Bauer was covering his ass, but like, usually that kind of stuff. He's had multiple partners. They must have transferred for a reason. You'd think he'd have some kind of like John. Now, you know this is how you lost your last partner. You gotta be careful. And the new partner... The new partner is kind of the closest they get to someone who does find him annoying. But even she doesn't... She's kind of almost, like, humbled. By the end of this episode, she's kind of like, Oh, I get what it means to be your partner. I'm brainwashed too now. And steps into the light. Like, it's... She's the only person giving him shit at the beginning of the episode. But by the end of the episode, she's now his biggest fan. So I'm like, well, so then do we have anyone left who even finds him not amazing? Because everyone else here finds him amazing. And he's not amazing. He's an asshole. Like I said, he's terrible. 
But so anyway, so he brings uh, the Chris Chris Bauer's character Andy, his ex partner, is well. We know he's dying of leukemia, but he's also claiming that he's being murdered, and his his it's kind of sad because I think like they should actually just address this like psychologically. Is that he feels like after he got shot on on a job a while back, he thinks that's where well, everything started. All the it's bad stuff started. He's got lead poisoning from the bullet that was still that had they had to leave inside. And the lead poisoning supposedly caused the leukemia. Yeah. Oh, I didn't... Okay, so that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that, that's when he's like, yeah, I'm basically, when I, once I die, you're gonna have to solve yeah. my murder, is what So the says. trouble with that is they mention it, like, one time, very briefly, and then talk about his murder all the time. And I was like, but wait a minute, didn't someone just shoot at you? Like, you need to, ha- like, talk to someone, dude. Like, it seems like you're blaming all the terrible things in your life about something that was out of your control anyway. But if it really was a physical thing, that makes more sense. They should have stressed that a little more than just the once, because I never heard it again later on at all. It was just like, this guy shot me, this guy shot me. You don't know what that had to do with him being sick, but that makes more sense. So they flash back to, like I mentioned, the first meeting between... Um, Andy and John. And, of course, John is the kind of person where even when he meets someone, he's already a jerk to them. And, <laughs> so. and how do you know it's a flashback? <laughs> because John's hair is slicked back and parted. It does not... He, he's got, like, this kind of fluffy, almost Dennis Leary-like hair in the present day. Yeah, yeah he really... I, I wrote that at one point. He's like he a looks kind of like Dennis, Dennis Leary's Leary. dad. Then, yeah. Dennis Leary's dad. That's what I was saying. Like, he, it's not that it's Dennis Leary. He just looks older, but it's yeah, just, it's like, the hair. close enough. Dennis Leary, specifically in Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> the Captain Stacy. Dennis Leary's like Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary. Yes. And, uh, uh, so, but yeah, the, in the in the flashbacks, he always has it slicked back and parted. Oh, I, I apologize. We did breeze over to the credits that, that came up. We're actually probably the highlight of the entire episode. And you, the credits were nominated for, <laughs> for an Emmy. Emmy. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the only good part of this show, the credits. They were they were pretty they good. Were good. They, they were, were good. They were definitely credits. for, for 2008. Do you know who do you know who they lost the Emmy to? Who? Mad Men. Oh, well, yeah. Wow. Yeah, Mad okay. Men who had an episode called New Amsterdam in season 1. Look, guys, I know shit. Oh my god. <laughs> Was that the first season of Mad the Men? The first season of them? Mad Men beat them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. As they should have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, those credits. No, I mean, like, th- these credits were very good for a show on Fox about a 400-year-old police detective. That only lasted, that only lasted eight, episodes. eight episodes. I was surprised by that. That's why when I saw it was nominated for an Emmy, I'm like, wait, what? And they were like, for credits. I'm like, all right, that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, um... So I'm, I'm like, fascinated, though, by the whole, um, just to get back into the mm-hmm. flashbacks. So they, they kind of established through the flashbacks that the reason that Amsterdam went became a yes, I was gonna was bring- after September yes! 11th. Yes! What the fuck kind of story has... Uh, I was so... Ma- but, they, but they don't... We gotta mention, they're not mentioning this like there's any kind of build-up. It's like he walks in, and he's like, Hi, I'm I'm John. He's like, I'm Andy. He's like, what you doing? He's like, I don't know, felt like... Oh, he says I'm a rookie. I'm one of the fastest promoted in my age. I'm like a young hotshot. He's like, you seem kind of old right. for a hotshot. And I'm like, well, he's not that old, dude. Calm down. He looks like maybe 30. But I guess on the force, that's supposed to be sort of old for a young hotshot. And he's like, well, right. I got delayed. He's like, oh, really? So what made you come back? He's like, September 11th. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... And he's like, oh, and there's a point later on, like, I don't mean to make light of it, it was more just like, I can't believe this shit, and this is like, I mean, it's only seven years after, but it's still, it was a good, a while back, it was a little bit less 
it, it felt weird for this to be a huge plot point, but there's another point later on where he says something like, oh, what was the line? It was something like, uh, I lost a lot of good men yeah. in, in 9-11. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't want to lose one more. <laughs> I, yeah, he's like, I went, yeah. I went to a lot of funerals after, you know. And he's like, I don't want to go to yours, yeah, too. <laughs> He said, "I lost a lot of a lot of friends in the towers." Yes, when the, the towers fell. It's the scene. It's the scene where Amsterdam just charges through, charges Being into reckless. the grave, yeah. gunfire, and doesn't you know doesn't consider the fact that he could have gotten shot. And Andy's like, "What are you doing? Like you could have died." Because he doesn't care. He knows he's immortal, but then at the same time, you'd think that you would be more careful about being reckless like that because you don't want to draw that kind of unwanted attention to yourself. Or like, your, or your you, partner. Like, you like, willingly put yourself in front of... I mean, it, it, even at the end, too, where he, like... I'm not gonna skip ahead. But, like, why would you draw that kind of attention to yourself where people would be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, it's 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 kind of... And it's also, like, when you have a partner to deal with, too, and in a whole, like, you know, precinct, it's not... Reckless behavior... I mean, it's, it's Elliot Stabler. Elliot Stabler is reckless. It's fine. We understand mm-hmm. that. But he has to be reined in because the recklessness draws out villains essentially it's like it's like batman it's the same thing as bruce wayne he's a reckless human being who's literally putting his life on the line because he wants to fight crime even if he's not got technical superpowers that's fine that's his decision to do that but then of course it draws all these villains to his front door because that reckless kind of behavior in real life in the real life of the comics trying to make it out to be real brings people who want to kill the person doing it and that's anybody else in your in your crossfire is going to be dead so in this situation andy his partner almost gets shot too because john is being reckless and andy has to try and andy doesn't know he's immortal first of all so you gotta at least tell people that if you're gonna be that reckless but secondly he's like i don't want my partner to die so he gets kind of reckless himself trying to protect him and it's like well why bring why risk your friend or your partner almost getting killed trying to protect you when you know you're not gonna die. Like, at least just play it a little right. more safe. Because then then at least, you know, if you do get hurt, it's not gonna kill you. But in the meantime, you're not gonna ca- cause any kind of, like... Like, in this, maybe not specifically this episode, but, like, I'm sure in other episodes, you get you get enemies that way. That's how you make... Actually, no, it is in this well, episode. He did in this You're episode, right. I, I forgot for about sure. that. So he literally, like, gets yeah. reckless. He gets reckless with yeah. an actual crime boss. And it's, so like, dumb. It's so stupid. stupid. And it, and so it gets stupid. him nearly killed. And it could almost get other people around him nearly killed because he's with someone. Especially at this point in the show where he thinks he's found his soulmate, so his immortality might be cured. And now you're still going to be, like, yeah, at least the getting up in the face of, like, Russian mobsters. At least right. the flashbacks yeah. could have right. You're going to, like, walk up into the club and, like, shove a gun in someone's yeah. face. <sighs> and and uh, at least in the flashbacks, it could have been, like, a past thing for him. To continue that kind of reckless behavior this long is just unfair to the people around you. Like, don't, f- don't be a police officer. Be a vigilante in that case, you I know? thought the flashbacks were very, um, lethal weapon. Like, I thought it was, yes. like, that partnership. It's that very cliched partnership where, like, Andy's the, like, cranky, I'm getting too old for this shit guy, mm-hmm. and John's the, like, yeah. handsome, reckless, crazy person. It was very lethal weapon. <laughs> yes. W- one of my favorite parts was when they argue over if it's aspirate or expirate yeah. <laughs> or whatever, and... and- and John's like, no, that's when you breathe it in. And he's like, I don't have time for this. Just find the yeah. bullet or whatever. <laughs> like, when they're arguing over the guy that got shot. Yeah. Like, the right, the right word choice. <laughs> like, what, what makes for a better show than arguing about word choice? Like, <laughs> right. fucking <laughs> terrible. 
So it was fantastic. So we're introduced, like among the flashbacks to their first meeting, we're introduced um, to well in in the present day though we met we meet that he has no friends basically. So he's got no friends in the sense like he's got this case he's got you know his partner he's got the girls he's sleeping with on the one of them for more than one day um but like he does not <laughs> normally have friends from the sound of what their one of his partners says about him all right is it the sergeant someone says like john you don't have friends well he's got andy so apparently andy's what they consider to be a friend and in the meantime they, they decide for some reason they bring him down to the department like i don't know why they would do that but they bring him out of his house down to the department and they decide to look into the case so in the in the process of looking into it they eventually like stumble across clay davis who uh, uh i can't even his name <laughs> it's clay davis from the wire um so he is the other ex-partner so obviously andy left john at some point because I don't, it's he, never did, really he went into explained. narcotics is but they went, never even explained from hom- he does say he switched from homicide he doesn't say why yeah exactly from homicide and went into narcotics division. and we do find out why eventually but it's just yeah. sort of like geez at least give a fake reason right there because it just sounds very obvious i'm like well why would he even do that he seems like they're friendly it doesn't seem like they ended on bad terms but we're hearing it's like as if they ended on bad terms so he transfers to uh the is atf or something or whatever it is it's the yes. it's the you know, it's where all the drugs, guns, and money is, basically, in, in cops. And, um, uh, Clay Davis, at that point, is, is his, um, I guess partner, slash he's another person who is, like, the new, the guy from ATF who's already been there. And Andy is now, like, the person, it's basically like Andy becomes John, and that's his new partner. And we, we talked to Clay Davis walking along the waterfront, and he's just like, look, I already looked into this Nazir, he thinks it shot him. Because the whole time, Andy's like, it was Nazir, it was Nazir. I'm like, well, if it was Nazir, we probably would have figured that out by now, wouldn't we? Like, like it's been like ten years of you screaming Nazir, I'm sure somebody's done the, the footwork, but I guess nobody claimed to. Um, so anyways, they, they figure out that it, it was probably not him, but they're going to still look into the case. And we get a flashback, of course, to this point where um, we see Andy get shot. Like, it wasn't just him talking about getting shot. We see the physical shooting. And there's somebody, like, standing, like, of course, hooded behind, like, a dumpster shooting him and all of these Russian guys that they're trading. Do we know what they're trading? It's just drugs and money, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's very drugs big. and money. <laughs> yeah. He's doing, like, a, he's trying to do, like, a drug bust. Oh, okay. By himself, with no backup. Yeah, that's very important later that he was doing it by himself. Yeah. He didn't call for backup or well, anything else. Well, he says else. his partner. His up. partner was in court, so he's by himself trying to bust these guys right. for drugs, and then you know, and then it goes wrong, and he gets shot, and the other two guys get shot. So everyone gets. So the other two guys die in the sh- from the shooting, and then that's how he gets. You know, he gets the bullet mm-hmm. in him. And so now we see the actual like act itself. No, I I had a note here. I don't know if I just misheard something. Does John's son call him John? I think, I think so. he does, think so. and it's weird. I mean, I get it because he's like a fifty-year-old man, and I've called my mom by her nickname, which is just Dana instead of Dana. But it's just kind of bizarre a choice for you know. It would actually make more sense for him to call him Dad. You know. I guess when you get to be older than your father, maybe yeah, it that, gets weird. It's probably a little weird <laughs> to call him Dad. Because yeah. I I feel like at least if you're gonna do that whole like. My son's a 65-year-old man. You could at least lean into it and have him call him dad. But that would be more interesting. Yeah. If we're if we're on that scene where mm-hmm. they're talking and it's over this, like, sad jazz soundtrack, <laughs> which is funny, 
And then, um, and they're talking about how angry John used to be all those years ago, which I'm like, he still seems kind of angry. And my favorite thing is John's like pretty sure that this Sarah woman is Mm -hmm. the one. And he says, time feels lighter, not so endless. In that same bit. And he says, <laughs> yeah, and he says he's, th- he's thinking no, about no, death. No, 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 I want to say, I want to say the way he said that, he says, I'm thinking about death a lot. <laughs> it's like the yeah. worst yeah, sentence for, me. like, Jamie Lannister. Says, Picture Jamie Lannister saying, like, like, basically looking out a window, like, doing everything but, like, the emo hair flip backwards. It's going, I'm thinking about death a lot. Over the sad jazz music. <laughs> for the first time it <laughs> yeah. scares me. And then me. he says, he says, everybody <laughs> wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, of course, man. this is a scene where even okay, we up until this point we haven't mentioned his his son uh, Omar is I I think multiracial obviously, but I, I, I we don't know the we don't yeah. know the backstory there at all. But he's clearly either adopted or or multiracial. No, it, on no, the Wikipedia, his, his, it's it's a natural John, son and John is his father and he yeah he was he's, he's biracial her with a okay. black woman. So yeah. and then but of course even though he's his son, we still have to have like he's the elderly black man with all this wisdom and he's like welcome to the. That's human yeah, condition magical, and it's like oh yeah the magical yeah. black it was man, so yeah, infuriating i was like oh. and you know that's why forever is also similar except they didn't have an elderly black man they had an elderly jewish man who was his son oh did they really identical. even to the fact that's that awful. like um on forever he has a partner who is a latino woman and on this show, his partner is a Latina woman, played by not a Latina woman, but her name is Eva Marquez. That's so, so weird, right? Yeah. Wow. But yeah, no so but his son, of course, is now like basically comforting him, like it's okay, Dad, you'll figure out. Welcome to the human condition, all that kind of bullshit. I'd be like, I'd be like, stop being such a whiny. Bitch. I know, right? <laughs> Dad, Dad <laughs> get it together. Grow the fuck up. I know. I'm, I'm still Seriously. gonna die like 20 years before you. You need to fucking get it like, together. <laughs> how are you this emo at 400? Like, get it together. I know. Like, of all the, oh, <laughs> it's just infuriating. So I just, I'm thinking about death a lot. It's just like, oh my god. So then the, can I? What was the next? The scene shooting gallery about? scene, which was like, oh, they they go to see the Russian carny. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a carny who's a like who's part of I get not directly like he knows people from the Russian mob or he it's weird because he literally is working at a carnival so he does just genuinely have that job um but he's like ties with the Russian mob and of course John's like trying to get him to admit that he knows who these two people that were murdered in the same time Andy was shot who they were her and like what they worked for and everything because at, at this point we don't know anything about them besides that they were murdered in a shootout with Andy. Um, and mm-hmm. that was what his, you know, the case was even about, but he didn't break it while he was that day. Um, so, he, of course, like, I don't even know what this scene is supposed to mean. It's, it's such an infuriating scene, because, yet again, we're meant to think, like, he's being this dick to this guy. And it's like, okay, he's a Russian mobster, you're okay to be a dick to him, but he's just being a total dick to him, and... Like, the partner is just, like, also there leaning into him, and he's just being relentless. Like, he's shooting... It's one of those shooting games where you, you shoot the little, like, uh, crosshairs, and then you win a big stuffed animal. And he just sits there shooting, and of course he's like, oh, I'm just really good at it. I guess there's a trick to it. And it's just... Stupid. I, I find it so hard to find that kind of, like... Like, I understand, like, that's the... the I don't know what you refer to it besides the, the, the very honest version of a competency kink, which I think a lot of people in, in law enforcement can really exemplify, where they're so good at what they do. 
Like, it's almost uncanny. Like, there's there's a scene in Psyche we I've spoken about before where uh, Sean retraces the bullets of someone else's bullets. Like, it's not like he's shooting dead on in the heart. He sh- someone shoots four different times and he matches them perfectly all over the, the place. So, like, there's a definite, like, okay, like, this is great. He's a really good shot. That's supposed to be great. But it's, like, the way they're talking about it is so unlikable. Like, it's so... There's no charm. There's no charm to any of this at all. Right. And you think that's the one thing to try and, like... The one thing they could try and, like, actually go forward with it, if he is that great at what he does, at least make that part interesting. It's not. Like, even that part's unlikable. So there's nothing about this character that even resonates at all. Yeah, I feel like this show, just based on this one episode, it takes everything so seriously to the point that it becomes ridiculous. And it's like, your your concept itself is crazy, this whole immortal 400-year-old guy and all of the lives that he's lived and everything. It's like, you need to have a little bit more fun with that. And you can still do dramatic and serious storylines, but you need to have some charm to it, and there's no charm here. Just everyone is just so completely Well, that was my biggest, like, serious. It, it reminds me a lot, oh, I should wait, there's a thing later on we'll get to, which was really infuriating, but it was just completely, you're, you're completely right, it just lacked so much charm, it, it lacks all all charisma, yeah. it's just, it's, it's boring, it, it's borderline like watching an actual cop case, I'm assuming, and I, that's not that interesting. I don't watch true TV. It, it just seems very dull. And I, at least if I'm going to have somebody who's like 400 years old, you think that they could, you know, make it a little more interesting. Because even something like Sleepy Hollow, which declined in quality as far as I'm concerned, was still interesting because it was like, isn't this so funny? He's like a million years old, ha! Huh? And like that part of it can kind of get old, but at least like it's a little different than just another cop show who happens to be 400 years old. But the whole him being that old is almost irrelevant for the entire episode. Like, almost none of that comes into play. Well, even on Angel, which we keep going back to as well, like, even before they found ways for Angel himself to be comedic, the comedy and, like, the charm came from how brooding and serious he was and how the other people around him were like, oh my god. Like, that was where the charm came from. (laughs) So it, it was like that's what you need to find if you're gonna do this like you have to find something to latch onto that like people are gonna be like oh okay I like these people and I'm interested and the the closest we get to that is later on when the sergeant's like you're wound so tight one day you're gonna blow a gasket that's not the same thing as like someone confronting him about being this emo or making jokes about him being this grumpy weirdo behind his back like that's just like a a statement. And it's like two sentences. That's the only time someone even says anything to him. Like, you know, maybe you're a little too sad. That's the closest it gets to it. Like, everything else about it is just, <laughs> yeah, you're a good cop, whatever. Like, keep moving on. No one addresses the fact that he's a jerk. It's ridiculous. So, he, in, in the meantime, after the shooting gallery worked out, the guy, I guess, is so threatened by him getting a bunch of stuffed animals that he decides to give up the name of a crime boss. But okay, <laughs> like, that makes no sense either. Like, oh, this guy's gonna shoot every time and win every time. He's gonna time. take He's all gonna, of my stuffed like, animals. Completely clean out. Like, what Russian mobster would not give someone all of some all of their stuffed animals <laughs> versus giving up the name of their crime boss? Like, that's stupid. That is, like, a whatever. question I never and thought he, I would hear in my life. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> ridiculous. So then he goes and arrests the guy's, well, not the guy, the, the crime boss's brother, or I think it's brother, right? I well, can't he t- goes to, he goes to see the crime boss first 
him and his partner. And he's not there, they go right. To, no, they go to the nightclub, and he's there. And they're like, and John's just being like, Crazy John is like, there used to be dog racing here, and then it turned to car racing, and, and like, his partner is actually trying to do her job, and then I have no fucking idea what he does, but he goes over to, like, the phone and picks it up and then comes back, and he's like, I got a phone number. And it's the brother <laughs> it's just, of the mobster. It's so stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And, like, it also leads to the fact that if he's 400 years old and he's only been a cop for, like, some of the time, what was he doing the rest of the time? Banging you know? Emily Dickinson. And yeah, right? Like, letting people die all the time? Like He was working on his stand-up act for 400 years. <laughs> it must be a tight hour. Uh, so then, so he, they go back eventually, and they, they, they figure out that if they arrest the guy's brother for gambling, it's gonna pull the, the big boss out of the woodwork, because it's kind of in the shadows during that scene. Um, and he has to come into the, the uh, precinct to get his brother out of jail. Of course, the brother is, like, making threats on police officers' lives left and right. Like, that's gonna get him out of jail quicker. He's like, you're making a huge mistake. He's like, I'm memorizing all your faces. I'm like, Jesus! This is, like, super... Like, he, there's no way he'd get away with, like, saying shit like that. It was ridiculous. But, um, so that's where, of course, the you're wound so tight moment with Sarge comes in. Um, and then... Clay Davis, of course, shows up and is like, I don't know how we missed it. Like, I'm like, okay, well, this is clearly a little too obvious. They telegraphed that oh one. Oh, my God. They put that scene in there specifically for us to be like, oh, Clay Davis is, well, I, okay, I feel bad. I keep calling him Clay Davis, but the, he's from The Wire. He's I literally like, don't oh, know his shit. name on this show, though, so it doesn't it's, matter. It's definitely, I, I, I'd recognize it if I saw it. It's like I got a T in it somewhere, I think. But anyway, so... He's, like, the, uh, you know, the, the previous investigator on the case, and he's like, I can't believe I couldn't figure this out. How weird. Oh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, so he, he's just like, oh, basically like, oh, shit. And he just doesn't know how it could have happened that they got past them. And it turns out, of course, that they just genuinely, uh, didn't research this lead at all. They thought that he was lying about Nazir being the person, because... When the crime boss comes in, he's like, look, give me my brother. His name is Bro- Brodsky, I think. Brodsky, yeah. Brodsky. He's saying, like, stay out of Brooklyn, all this kind of stupid shit. Um, <laughs> just like, I'm gonna get you. Like, they're not even subtle about this. Like, it's, it's just not possible that someone could come in and threaten cops' lives in a precinct and not get There's nothing arrested subtle or something. about anything in this show. No, so, uh... Stay out of Brooklyn. <laughs> so, they, they're pretty sure that it wasn't them that shot Andy. And and even though they're Russian mobsters, they're pretty. They're like, look, I we try to figure out who shot our guys, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't Nazir. From what we can tell, we think it's someone else entirely. And they're like, okay, I guess that's just maybe it isn't Nazir. And of course, Andy's there, like it's definitely Nazir. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you better find him soon because you know I'm dying. I'm dying! Like, and then there's, like, scenes, like, in case you don't realize he's dying, he'll just, like, pass out randomly. <laughs> like, like, he's, like, walking to the door to help him to get out of, the, out of his house. He's like, I can walk into the door. It's alright, though. I'm not dying. And then he passes out and almost dies. It's like, Jesus. It's, it's like, yeah. so heavy-handed. It's pathetic. And <laughs> I and we have, this, this is where they have the flashback to, like, Joyce Summers making them dinner. Yes, I was gonna say, I'm like, Joyce Summers is always the perfect <laughs> mom and everything she's Yeah, doing. and I, what I love is like, you know, Andy's telling John like, you know, you need to find a woman like Joyce over here, and that's not her name on the show. Yeah, we're only gonna call her <laughs> Joyce. And, and like, they cut, they cut to John, and he has a look on his face like, yeah, he's totally down to bang Right? Joyce I thought the same! And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't 
think that's what Andy well, meant, but I'm into it. Well, he's going to so, be out of pictures. <laughs> John's just playing the waiting like, game. I'm, I'm into this, like, Jamie Lannister, Joyce Summers he has crossover. A, he has I mean. such a serious, like, he's like this creepy grin on his face, like, yes. Yes, he's totally <laughs> and down. Oh, I think it's, I'm, I'm not to be rude to Jamie Lannister's acting, but it, it, I think you're supposed to be like, he's envious, but it just sort of seems, like, menacing. No, he <laughs> just wants to bang Joyce. He has a menacing look. Like, that's kind of his thing, is he looks a little bit mischievous at all times. So it's hard to take him as a loving friend and not, like, a threat. <laughs> like, it seems like it was just, like, a, it was, like, the setup to any, like, serial killer movie, too, where he, like, Well, you'd be like, wait a minute, did he, did he shoot Andy right? so that he could bang <laughs> Joyce? Know, right. So, <laughs> so, so Chris Bauer is telling him that, that when they, when Joyce came in, when he married Joyce, or when the, when the world made Joyce that broke the mold, it was, it was real sweet stuff. But, like, you're basically, like, being told, like, by the way, when when one of these people dies, it's gonna be pretty sad. <laughs> like, it's there just to make that. There's no point to that scene at all, really. It's just sort of like, isn't she the best? It's like, yep. And then he goes, um, well, first, this is where he kind of, like, goes out of control, because I think he's thinking... But, like, that's a scene that happened years ago. It was a flashback to when he was new on the force, and they were, she was making them, like, you know lasagna or whatever she was doing and it's supposed to be something he's obviously known since it happened because he has memory he's lived for 400 years he remembers all the stuff that's happened to him including all the, the Coltrane shit so he just forgets that this happened because once he like his memory flashes back to it then he starts to get like super reckless and like starts to get like well I guess it's also the same same time he gets beat up by people so maybe that's part of it too he gets his ass kicked it's, it's tough to tell what they're trying to do because it's almost like they put that flashback there to make it feel like this is now gonna goad him to be, like, you know, cracking skulls. But then he also gets beat up, so it's like, maybe that was supposed to be it? But, so, he gets beat up in front of his house. A bunch of, like, hooded, uh, Russian thugs are like, stay out of Brooklyn! Blah, blah, Stay out of Brooklyn! <laughs> they literally said, stay out of Brooklyn! What like, I love is that, like, he's supposed amazing. to be this great, tough cop, and he just, like, does not fight back at He tries, all. but he, he gets- He just- He crumples. <laughs> Like, exactly. He's been alive for 400 years. Like, he he doesn't have any kind of, like, special martial arts training or anything. Like, I'm pretty... He was a soldier when he, he was, was like, a, He was young. a Marine. They yeah. talk about it. He was in the CIA. <laughs> <It's not laughs> of course he was. He was in the what? CIA for, like, five years, they said. He couldn't disarm them with a joke. <laughs> he couldn't disarm them with a joke. God. Yes, yeah, stand-up comedy. Um, so, so he's like, uh, now he's like really, this is where he starts to go crazy. And this is where I feel like the vampire stuff, it just felt like all the beats were there of a vampire show, but without the vampirism. And it just made it so boring. Because this is a point where he goes to Brodsky's like hideout again. With a gun, holds it to his throat in the middle of the room, a crowded room, which <laughs> you're a cop. It's like, what are you doing? And then, uh, this is, I mean, before he's hinted at it, but now this guy, even with the gun to his throat, it's like, Nazir did, did, it, did not do it. My guys didn't. Did Nazir did it, though? I, I don't no, remember. He he said, Victor says, no way, it's not Nazir. Like, yeah, even the like, Russian mobster's like, no. Look. Exactly. And he's like, so Nazir must have done it, or someone else did it. It was not my guys. And, and if it wasn't Nazir, none of my guys think it's him, so I don't know anything about it. But it wasn't like I ordered Nazir to do it. And so, I guess at this point you're supposed to be like, wow, he's gonna do anything he can to get this case solved. <laughs> Which is like the standard cop thing. But it's like, in the next second, the, the, the Russian mob guy's like, you're a dead man, how do you feel? And he like, smiles on his way out. Yeah. I'm like, 
I, I, <laughs> unlikable is how he feels, clearly, because it's just, it made me livid. Like, how must I be rooting for a guy that is just, like, has a death wish and is 400 years old? I, I like, find that's supposed it, to be anti- you're supposed to be incongruous. I find like, it funny that the mobster tells him, and I quote, I won't kill you here, but you are a dead man. And I'm like, well, why won't you just <laughs> kill him here? Like, are you gonna? You're, you're gonna. That's be his ni- turf, at least. Like, you're gonna be nice, you know? and let me. I'm gonna let you solve this case, and then I'll kill you. <laughs> that's Lisa. You're joking. That's exactly what he yeah. meant. <laughs> like, like it's, it's only thirty minutes in. Yeah. You gotta solve this case, but I'll kill you afterwards. Yeah, so just you wait. I'll try to. And so uh, the fl- the flashback now came. This is the flashback from before we mentioned where it was. I lost too many friends when those towers came down. Which I was like, why would that be a sentence that anyone says on this stupid show? And uh, in the in the meantime, that's when that Bauer full on passes out while they're there visiting him, and he has to go to the hospital. And now he's in like the hospital, full on like you know has the, the IV drip and everything. And uh, this is where Joyce reveals Joyce Summers reveals that she had cancer too. I'm like, Joyce cannot catch a break. Well, she's like, I show. had cancer a few years ago. I'm like, duh. She says it so casually, too. I'm like, do you mean on Buffy? Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. She must, she can't possibly. That was supposed to be a tumor, right? I, I was like, did she remember. forget what show but, she was on? I, I know, but she says it like, she's like, oh, yeah, I had cancer a little while, too. A little while back, too. And I'm like, who talks about their cancer that casually? But then we find out it's because it went into remission. And then there was a really sad, I, this is probably the closest the episode gets to a decently, you know, interesting arc where she says, it's because it's, of course, it's because it's Kristen Sutherland being amazing. She's like, sometimes I feel like he took my cancer away from me. Like, she was sick, and then he came, and then he got sick. And it was like he found mm-hmm. a way to take it from her body so that she'd be healthy. And I'm like, that's nice. Never talk about it once again. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, you um, could have really, like... <sighs> I do want to jump back a moment, because mm-hmm. right before Andy collapses, he says on the phone, everybody thinks I've got both feet in the grave instead of just one. <laughs> and then he literally falls over. <laughs> he stands up to, like, <laughs> shut up to the door, and... <laughs> Like literally collapses and goes to a hospital. It's I feel like I feel like this it show is really full of unintentionally funny lines because the yes. one that I wrote down was when they were chasing. Um, was it Nazir? They were chasing through the uh, carnival at one point. Oh, I think the I know which officer. one it's going to be. Yeah. I laughed a lot and they, during and that. They catch, and they finally catch up to him. And the parole officer that's chasing him with John shoves him up against something and says, I'm going to violate you all the way back to prison. <laughs> what? Yeah, what? I did not hear that at all. scene where they talk, they talk to the, they're, him and his, John and his partner go to talk to the parole officer and they're like, and he goes, do you need mm-hmm. me to violate him? Meaning like, do you want me to put a strike on him? So he has to go back to prison, like deliberately trying to get him in trouble. And they're like, and John goes, no, I don't want you to violate him. I want you to do your job and find him so we can question him. So, and so violate they, him. So when they finally catch up to him, the parole officer says, I'm going to violate you all the way back to prison. And I'm so like, there's so got to have been a better way to say that sentence. There has yeah, to be. Oh, I didn't they know exactly yeah, what the they same, were saying. The same scene, he says, why are you running? And Nazir answers, because you're chasing me. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why is this <laughs> They dialogue? didn't even give a shit. They, they were like, first draft, cut, <laughs> let's just go right. They didn't care at all. Like, it was, there, uh, I, oh, we have to wait. We have to wait to the zero scene because I have so many comments to make during the chase scene. Well, I guess we're kind of there, so let's just get to it. So we find out the only thing that was left over from the Joyce Summer scene, which is just that, dun dun dun, her insurance wouldn't cover the special treatment she needed for her her chemo. Because he found a doctor uh, in Brazil. 
who would do it, but they couldn't get the insurance to cover it. Which I'm like, he's a cop. He should have great insurance, but I guess well, not. Well, not Brazilian know. insurance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should just be a cop in, in Brazil then. Just go move there. I don't <laughs> they know. They probably need so, cops in Brazil. Have you seen the Fast and the Furious movies? Because, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's they're importing American cops to Brazil like by the boatload. Yeah. Just call <laughs> Dwayne Johnson and get a job with Dwayne Johnson. You're good. You get something. All right. So so he so he. That's introduced, so it's kind of like this big ominous thing hanging over the whole situation that he that he wasn't able to pay the insurance to save his wife at the time, and we already know from that other flashback he loves his wife more than anything. Um, and then we get to they find Nazir at an amusement park, so they go down and they go to question him, and he sees he sees them and just starts running basically. Although they kind of run up to him, so like he says later on, "Why are you chasing me?" I'm because you were chasing. He says, "Why are you running?" It's like because you're chasing me. It's just sort of ridiculous because he didn't. I don't know. There's it so many things to question right here. I have no scene. idea. That's why it's so weird. Like, it... yeah, the minute they see him, he darts, which is a pretty common police scene. But usually, it's because I don't know, there's usually better dialogue than because you're chasing me. But anyway, so the scene is insane because there's a couple different moments where when they're running, there it's an amusement park. It looks sort of like a Coney Island. I don't know where it is exactly. It's York, Coney Island. It's just sort of. I mean, standard. is yeah. it Coney Island? Okay. So they're they're chasing around some amusement park. There's a Ferris wheel. There's guys. Well, it's pretty. Cra- it's not. It's not empty. Although it did look definitely quiet for it to be an amusement park. But I guess they just couldn't afford the extras. And so there's like a guy like walking around with um. So they're running. Of course. Oh, so they're running. They're running, and they run up to this Ferris wheel. And there's okay. So it's it's Nazir is running first. Then John is running after him, and then the parole officer is with right. John. Right, so John's always on his tail, always never like at first they lose him, and then John's just like, no, I have an instinct of where he'll go, and they follow, they, f- they see him again. Like that doesn't make any sense, but fine, I'll deal with it. It happens all the time. So he, they find, they keep running. So John's always like basically five, ten feet behind them, and there's a scene. If you know what a Ferris wheel, obviously the Ferris wheel, um, what do you call them? Like the, the little buckets, the little yeah. buckets. Yeah. yeah, the buckets. Yeah, the Ferris wheel bucket. They're, they're all, it's in movement, so they're all moving along slowly, and there's a scene where, like, Nazir runs past through two of them, John runs through two of them, and then one of them slow, like, at a snail's pace, moves slowly to the left, and then the, 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 the parole officer runs up to it, and he's like, whoa, <laughs> and he's, like, confused by it, and then has to, like, surreptitiously run around the Ferris wheel thing. And then, like, first of all, that was ridiculous on its own. And then, on top of that, later on, they did the exact same scene with a cotton candy vendor, where the two guys first run around the, the guy, and then the, the parole officer, like, runs right into him, and then knocks all the it's, cotton candy over. It sounds like like an old Keystone Cops comedy. It's if what you it play, sounds like. It's, if you play, it's like Benny Hill. Too. Yeah, if you put played the Benny the, Hill music to it. If just, you played that, it would have been hilarious. I will I'll try and make it's a just funny because he, he gets to the Ferris wheel, the parole officer, and then, like gets cut off, and he's like, "What do I do?" It's like just wait for it to move. Yeah, it's like oh, I've never seen this. Oh, and he even like does like a little like like kicks grass or something. Like he does that, like stomps on dirt. Like it, it, it seems so. Like kiddish, it was bizarre. It was like a goofy chase scene, and it was a serious situation where the dude is like potentially killed his partner, and it's just sort of like a goofy chase scene. Made no sense. So, so then once they do catch him too, a very dark line. One, I think it's either is it John or the parole officer says to him like, uh, "You can't do this." Nazir saying, "You can't do this. You can't do this." And he asks him, "Bruises or no bruises? It's your choice." I was like, "Jeez, that's 
not great. And this guy seems like a real corrupt piece of shit. And he never gets the drop. That he just goes back to work. He's now just not dealing with his parole anymore. But like, it seems like a real terrible thing to just throw that out there. And then when they bring Nazir in to be questioned, there's another horrible scene, which is. I, I don't know Nazir's ethnicity. I think that you are supposed to be made to understand he's Muslim, yeah. though. And when he's alone in the room with a detective, he's like, I'm not allowed to be alone in a room with a woman. And she she says to him, don't like, think, don't, don't think, think of me as a woman. <laughs> and then he's like, please. And then, and then there's another funny scene, which is like, I can't tell if it's the acting's bad or the writing's All bad it. or it's a combination of the two. And he's like, please, I can smell your perfume. And he does, like, a, a goofy, like, covers his nose and looks to the left. Like, all it's missing is that wah, wah, wah. Like, it was just so ridiculous. And she's just like, think of me as, as a detective. I'm like, because you are one? <laughs> like, this is like, it was, I couldn't even decide what they were trying for there. I, I don't know if they were trying to make it seem like, like, she was trying to genuinely be nice to him or she was being sarcastic because the acting was so rough. I can't tell if she's serious. I can't tell if she's pissed that he's calling her out for being a woman in the forest, or she just doesn't think that much of herself for being a woman in the forest. Like, it was weird. I feel like, and, I feel like everyone on this show is serious 100% of the time. Yeah, so it's just weird. And, of course, he asked for a lawyer, because he's not an idiot, and then she's like, you don't get one. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm That's like, just because he's a, a parole offender does not negate his ability to get a lawyer at some point, especially if he's going to go get arrested. Like, he should still have somebody, an advocate at least. Even if he doesn't get to have him in while questioned, he could at least have someone to conference with on his own. Like, it was ridiculous. So, they go and check his alibi, though, in the meantime, yeah. right? And <laughs> then they have another flashback scene where <laughs> Andy Andy tells him, even if you are bulletproof, you still need uh, a partner. You gotta mention where they're having this conversation, because it is on the Ferris Go wheel. Go ahead. I was gonna let it's you guys. It's on the Ferris yes. wheel at Coney Island, which is very romantic, that they're having this conversation. It's like Chris Bauer and Jamie Lannister <laughs> literally in a fur The same Ferris wheel bucket they just had that chasing at, too, for the record. And they're just, like, drifting upwards into the thing, and then Chris Bauer's, like, looking out over the city, like, Oh, everything just fades away yeah. here. It's just so nice. Everything's great. I'm probably gonna die here later. <laughs> like, it's basically what he's saying. Gee, don't give it away. Well, in my notes there, I'm like, if he ends up dying in this first round, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> like, I can't take it. It was almost too... Because, like, he was, like, describing being up among the clouds or whatever bullshit he was saying. He's like... And talking a, about 9-11... Again. <laughs> Again. And he's like, People who were, like, in the towers and survived don't talk about 9-11 as much as this guy does. It's ridiculous. And he's like, it's peaceful up here. It's kind of like, I, I can shut the world off from everything. It's like, everything else fades away. I'm like, this Including is so heavy-handed. I'm like, so, so being in a Ferris wheel at the top of the wheel is like heaven? Question mark. And so he's, it's like a flashback to him being, like, a good partner and describing what it means to be a partner to, like, newbie John on the force. And again, it's so telegraphed. It is as as broad and ridiculous. Because there's a scene where John, like, basically smiles and, it's all it's missing is John, like, laying his head on, on, on his bower shoulder. And being, like, like, patting him on the knee. You're a good partner. Like, it was, like, his, so ridiculous. And later on, of course, we find out that he transferred to IFE because 
that's where all the guns and cash were, and he was there originally to rip them off. So, right. you find out that Andy, although he was more or less to be a good cop, he was planning on becoming a dirty cop, because he's gonna steal the guns and cash, or some of the cash at least, or do something with it. Because there was it. like, um, they said earlier there was like a million dollars there, because they, he, for years, Andy was saying it was just ten to twenty thousand dollars that was in play, Mm-hmm. went for this bust, but they find out later from one of the other guys, like Nazir or somebody, that says, no, it was a million dollars right. for this and bust. And you find out, obviously, the only reason he would be lying about how much money was there is if he planned on taking most of it. Right. And the only and reason that he would go in without backup would be to steal the money. Little, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> this is the scene. Oh, my God. Alright, so, uh, cut to after we realize that Andy is kind of dirty. Andy does explain, like, look, I only did it because of my wife. I was only going to do it the one time, or more or less the one time. And you'd have to you'd do the same thing in my position. I'm like, I don't fucking know. He doesn't care about his wives at all. He's cheating with people. <laughs> he's stepping out. He's marrying Emily Dickinson or whatever. Anyway, so, so he's just like, look, I wanted to do what I could to protect her and keep her safe with money. And you're, at first you're supposed, to, you're supposed to sympathize with them, I think, but they don't really follow that up is he kind of, they kind of run off and, and decide to go research more what's going on with the case they find Nazir dead on the beat shot and they can't find the bullet case <laughs> this is my favorite I'm like, part so, <laughs> this is where this is this is where I was laughing out loud like I had to pause it because I was laughing there's always was, an old person on the beach with a metal detector and guess what and like all that was missing is him like walking up to him saying like can you help solve a crime <laughs> and it was like this, like, when I mentioned before, it lacks the charm of, like, a psych or a monk or anything like that. I, not just USA comedies, just just detective shows in general. Like I said, Sherlock I was watching, or Elementary I was watching earlier. Even Sherlock, the British adaptation, there's some charm to the way that they solve these crimes. There's usually, especially Monk really reminds me of this, where Monk will, at the last, like, in at the crime scene or in the last moments of a case, he'll do some wacky thing where he goes and pulls an umbrella from someone. Right opens it up, and explains, here's where the blood fell. That kind of weird shit. That's fine. It's like the whole, like, hold on, everyone's there trying to solve the crime, and then John looks around and he's like, hold on a second. And he walks over and he takes the metal detector from the guy. Doesn't even, I mean, we don't see the scene where he asks for the help. I think he just takes it from the dude. And he walks back over and then finds the gun casing, or the bullet casing. I was just like, why is this scene so serious? Like, why didn't, why didn't bother having this scene? And I love it because his partner looks at him like this is the most impressive thing she's ever seen. And I'm like, like, are you fucking kidding me? That's not impressive. Like, anyone there should have realized, oh, I could probably use that metal detector. If, if they hadn't gotten the guy there with a metal detector, that's what they would have had the guys at the precinct do is go find metal detectors, come back, and then they must have, it's, their, their precinct is close enough to Coney Island that there has to have been other murders well, on beaches. This is not the first time I they've like, dealt with this. I was like, you're in a TV show, you're near, you're on a beach, of course there's going to be an old man with a metal detector, because there is in every one of these shows. <laughs> like. Right? I just, I couldn't understand it at all. And it was, but the, the, the lack of charm with how they delivered it, because on a show like Monk, for example, where that kind of stuff happens... Usually there's some charm to it because it's goofy, it's sweet. The scoring is more in in line with it being a very funny. Like, it's amazing how much audio can really help this because if they had this, like, even like I, I mentioned, Elementary, that's a dark show. But on the on the episodes where there are moments where Sherlock notices things like that, like little like funny things that he has to walk up and then explain how things really worked, there's gonna be a very jovial 
score behind it, which makes it seem a little more lighthearted, because it is lighthearted. It's funny to imagine John, even if it was a serious situation, for him to go over and just take a guy's metal detector. It's kind of goofy for him to pull the metal detector out and then find the bullet casing. Like, a lot of that feels very ridiculous, almost, because it just seems almost like, what are the odds that a metal detector, a dude with a metal detector is like, like, not even, like, on the beach, like, four feet from the crime scene. That would have been roped off. I feel like that was kind of right. weird on its own. They didn't, like, they didn't, they didn't tape that <laughs> off at all, like, really? He's the- all, all that's missing is a scene where the guy comes closer and closer and just, like, puts the metal detector over the body. He's like, oh, nothing here. <laughs> yeah, the guy, oh my gosh, great. the guy, the guy should have been the one to find the bullet. Is this yours? <laughs> that would have been amazing. I'm like shoddy police work. <laughs> well, that's all it was. It wasn't. It wasn't because it was like him. Basically, there was no skill to him. It was all of the 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 um the goofiness of one of those scenes from another show without any of the actual police work in it because it's someone else's thing that helps. It's not like his mind had nothing to do with it. Like he he didn't. It doesn't. He didn't solve any crime. He just saw a metal detector and then used that to solve the crime. Like. It was stupid. <laughs> Basically, it makes me mad just thinking about it. So, they find the casing, and they realize, like, well, we all see this matches the one in Andy's chest. I'm like, well, who in the hell would shoot someone? <laughs> and this is really made me mad. So, what... I wanted to ask you guys, but I, I have a hard time placing it. When exactly was Andy shot? It was at least a year or two or three years ago, right? A long... I think they said about three years. That's a long time. Yeah. That's a very yeah, yeah. long time. So, we're made to understand that someone shot Andy kept the gun and the bullets and then later yeah. shot someone else with the same gun and what bullets? What kind of horrible criminal would be like, you know this gun that I used to kill two people and almost murder a, th- a third? third? I'm gonna keep it. And not, and I'm definitely gonna I'm not gonna take it. the casing from the crime scene that it happened at. That'd be, yeah. that'd be crazy. It would actually, because we find out that it is Isaiah Whitlock. <gasps> um, I, oh, the gas. Um, I... It would have made more sense if they had found out that, like, the bullets matched, like, whatever weapon they had on file for him or something. Like, I don't... not that. Like, it's he's a, a cop. It's, like, the same like, thing of leaving your fingerprints. You might as well, like, lick the crime scene. Like, you, it was... you might as well... Yeah, you might as well just, like, pee over the <laughs> yeah, I know, like, like unzip your pants you and take a piss all over Andy's, like, yeah. dying body. Like... It was insane to me. And it wasn't just Jesus. it wasn't just that it was a criminal that did something stupid like this. This guy is a seasoned veteran of the police force and he didn't think to switch his yes. guns out. I yes. was like, this is And they That's never address terrible. it that yeah. it was sort of just like, isn't it so funny that this is the same bullet? It's like no one's commenting on the fact that this is horrible police work. <laughs> like he's a terrible cop. Like, how could you be that stupid? At least have it be like a like, what would have made sense in this situation is if it was a gun that he got on, like, a drug bust. And it was, like, a drug bust that... Who, who oversaw that drug bust? It was your ex-partner. So he stole the gun from the drug bust. So that would have made more sense. This was... Right. From all I understand, it was practically like he used his actual, like, uh, police uh, weapon, right? To- Something, yeah. He used his, like, police weapon. That's even weapon, crazier! Yeah. <laughs> That's well, like driving he- your cop car to... If it was his police issued weapon, then they would have been able to match it three years ago because they would have matched the bullets in the other guys. They never describe what happened there, so right. maybe maybe we're because they have it on file. Maybe we're meant to understand it's not, but they never explain it. I, I can only assume that's the only cop, the only um, uh, gun he has, unless they tell us otherwise. I'm sure he's got others because he's obviously a, a hardened criminal. 
behind the scenes, but it was just, it was so poorly written. It was, there were so many plot holes. I was just like, what is happening? And this is where I was sort of like, dun dun dun, who shot me? And then there was, this, is, this is another scene. The writing and the acting is so poor on the show. Like, it was really ridiculous because they're sitting there. First of all, they pull Chris, poor Chris Bowers, like, on literally on his deathbed. Yeah. They pull him out of the hospital. He didn't could have done this in the hospital. They did not need to bring him to Coney Island. Why was he even there? So he could it die in the Ferris po- wheel. God. Yeah, that's, that's why. <laughs> she die on the Ferris so, wheel. It was, it was so ridiculous. They bring him to Coney Island. They drive him all the way up from the, from the hospital to Coney Island. On the boardwalk, not even like in the parking lot. They make this poor dying man <laughs> climb up to the boardwalk, and uh, they they have uh, that's where Isaiah Whitlock is. Um, they have them both meet, and they're like, "Oh, hey, it's you!" And then he's like, "Yeah, it's you." <laughs> and they're both like, you know, kind of almost like catching up, which was like awkward. Don't let any of that happen. Yeah. <laughs> like John, like, intervene. Don't let them be like, "Hey, you? how are you? What's new with you? I'm gonna die. What's new with you? I." Almost killed you. Ridiculous. Yeah. And so he's like, so did you find out who shot me? And then he's like, yeah, you're looking at him. I'm like, he's looking at you, John. (laughs) Like, why are you saying you're looking at him? (laughs) Like, at least have him look right at the guy when you say you're looking at him. Like, it was so poorly shot. It was, that shouldn't be your, because it wasn't like he just said, like, you're looking at him. Like, he, it was like, you're looking at him. And the music was like, da 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 <laughs> It's like, maybe have him look at, at, at Woodlock instead of you. Because for now, I'm like, so are you trying to say you're the, the shooter? <laughs> and it's like, no, no, no. It was, he actually has to say it was your partner. <laughs> like, he has to clarify. And then uh, this is where it was like, and of course, on top of all of this, instead of being, like, just pissed off, he's just like, where's my yeah. money? Like, like, really? Your wife is fine. Well, Why do you need the money? Well, he wants to make sure that Joyce is, like, all comfy cozy after he's dead. So. Yeah, but the way to do that, as they mentioned earlier, is not to risk your pension. If he if he got that money from him, he'd still be risking his pension. Like, it was well, ridiculous. Yeah. And he's like, I spent it all. I'm like, it's gone. How do you spend a million dollars in three oh. years? <laughs> like, how's no one noticed this guy's I life? I think of some ways. <laughs> I, I, well, I know there's ways, but no one's noticed, like, a cop on a, on a regular stipend is, like, somehow now, like, rolling in money. I guess he's, like, a gambler or something. They don't. They don't mention any of this, though. They just say he spent it. It's gone. Or he's lying, but you don't You don't ever find out about what he's lying or all that kind of stuff. And then it takes an even weirder left turn where John... Where, okay, well, Andy, of course, does he have a gun or he pulls John's yeah, gun? He, I don't know where that gun, gun came from. <laughs> Is it his gun? They just, like, give him a gun at the hospital? <laughs> John, he's not a cop anymore. He must have retired because he's on disability, right? Yeah. Yeah. He just has He's a gun. about to die. Like, why does he have a gun? Well, I think, I think, no, I think even retired cops are allowed to carry. Yeah, I'm sure. He's but he like came right from the yeah, hospital. Make any sense if he's on his he deathbed? He came like, like he was practically he's on his in his deathbed. hospital gown. Still, like, like he's just like hitting, he's hitting the hospital, <laughs> hitting the button for the nurse. Give me my gun. I know, I right? Coney Island. I can understand <laughs> if they were in danger, but it wasn't like they were in any the... danger. So, it was bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, he walks out with a gun, apparently. No one notices. No one says, like, why are you carrying a gun? You're just going to meet your partner. It's like he knows, but he, so he happens to have a gun. I, I think it would have made more sense if he pulled John's gun, at least, or something. But he, he has a gun on yeah, his partner yeah. now, on uh, Whitlock, and he's just, that's the where is my money. And then John says to him, hey, Andy, he's still your partner. I know, I was like, you can go ahead and kill him, but he'll still be your partner. What does that mean? Because well, it's like after he gives him this talk about like <laughs> loyalty and like your partner is your partner forever, and 
so now it's like you can kill him, but he'll still be your partner. <laughs> I don't get that at all. It's dumb. And on top of everything, well, I, I had another note too. The other weird thing about this whole thing is like, and then first of all, after he says that, he's like, okay, and they kind of like make amends. Like it's okay, you almost murdered me. <laughs> Or did murder me, technically, I guess. So, like, what the fuck? But, like, I also didn't comment when he said, when he has the gun before, we, we, we established that Isaiah, Whit- Isaiah Whitlock decided to keep the gun. He, that means he's been stashing a murder weapon at his own house for this many years. Like, that is He's just saving ridiculous. it, waiting to use it on Nazir, you know. Oh, it's ridiculous. So, um, of course, this is where the first wheel you see in the background is moving around. And... They, they both, he's like, how about, you want to go on the first one? I'm not going to be here again, probably, because he's about to die. And so they all, go, they, they go on to the, yeah, <laughs> yeah in case you forgot, every time he's on screen, he's like, I'm about to die. And he go, they go to the first wheel, they sit in the bucket, <laughs> and they, they go up into the air, and I don't even, I, honestly, I was so mad about the fact that I could tell they were probably going to oh, kill God. him on here. I was just. I, I don't remember anything that went on. They were just talking about He's like what it is to like, be partners. telling to look out for joys, and um, <sighs> you remember fear keeps you in the moment, and that's when they like they do the slow pan from like Andy over to John, and I'm like, oh, well, I know where this is going. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, John goes out of or not John. Andy goes out right. of frame, and it's like, well, I wonder what's happening over to the yeah. right, and John's talking about like. Like what it is to be alive or Whatever. some bullshit. I, like, didn't even I don't even know what he was talking about. <laughs> I blacked out on all of that, and then they they cut back to Andy and he's just dead. like dead. <laughs> it's not even like a dead. Like his eyes are closed. He's like slumped to his I mean, right. Like Jesus. Was there anything about this show that surprised either of you? <laughs> no. Because everything I was, so, was mad. so telegraphed. Everything like Andy being a bad cop and. And the way Andy died, and Isaiah Whitlock being the shooter, every single thing. Well, that was, I almost feel bad, I mean, I don't feel that bad, because it's it's kind of a job, honestly, nowadays, it's kind of a, a show's job to try and go against the grain with that, but he, his was a case of, oh, I recognize that actor, he'll probably be the murderer, <laughs> because there's no way you're gonna have Isaiah Whitlock as just some random partner for right. two scenes. Like, there was clearly much more to it that he would take the part for. Um, and then, of course, on top of that, he dies, uh, it's weird that he dies in the first field, too, because I'm like, people are gonna, like, it's a crowded amusement park. I'm like, are, are people gonna have to, like, three tickets to the first wheel and they go to the next thing. Hold on, we gotta get the dead guy And then, off. like, they could put a little plaque up, like, LOL, a cop died here, but he was kind of crooked, so. I'm sure it wouldn't be the first time, I'm sure it's not the first time they found a dead body on the Ferris wheel. Oh, field. Jesus. Yeah, Sorry, Coney Island PR department. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, um, and then, so that was kind of it. Like, that was such a weird place. They didn't really even tell you what's gonna happen to Isaiah Woodlock. He just sort of gets carted off. I guess he's gonna get arrested and, and charged with it. And then we don't know what happens to Joyce at all. Like, I hope she's doing okay. Poor Joyce is at the hospital. Like, wait, there's an earlier scene, too, that was very, ups- again, she's the best actress on this episode, I think. And there's a scene earlier yeah. where, um, uh, when they first take uh, Andy to, like, either to question someone or just back to the police precinct and then he comes back like a couple hours later exhausted and apparently he got car sick so I think he must have thrown up after, after getting out of the cop car and she's like where the hell did you take him and he's like oh I'm sorry I got sick in the car and he goes inside and uh she's like and she says <laughs> I, it was such an honest thing where she says like oh like um what do you, where did you take him and, and he's like well we we're trying to solve something and she's like 
what does it fucking matter, basically? I have, like... He's gonna he's die. He's about to yeah. die. I just want to spend my last dates with him. I don't care about that stuff. I'm like, oh, that's a serious, honest, like, sad thing for her to say, is that... I'm like, how pissed do you think she is, though? Like, after this? Yeah, she dies. He dies in the first wheel. Like... I would be fucking furious right? that they took my husband out of the hospital, and he spent his last moments at the Coney Island <laughs> Ferris wheel, instead of with me, like, holding his hand, I would, I would be the right? one that John never, at the end of the they episode. They never it talk about it at all. Instead of the Russian mobsters showing up at his house and shooting <laughs> yes, it him, it should have been her! Fucking Joy oh, Summers. that would have been great. That would have been such a good ending. I would have totally bought that. Like, how dare you take my last moment with the love of my life, you idiot. <laughs> oh, fucking, it was so infuriating. And they never talk about that at all. They just let him die and they cut to the next scene where they're like, haha, divorce papers. Like, what? I was like, what is this kind of transition? He, like, is back home talking to his girlfriend and she's apparently it was she was married while they were dating and she's now getting divorced. I was like, of course she is. And, uh, because <laughs> setting John Amsterdam stands for it's infidelity. And, uh, so he's like, uh, yeah, uh, I'm so psyched about you getting divorced. And she says something like, uh, regrets. I've had a few. And I was like, oh, don't, don't, are you But funny? I did it my way. Yeah, but I did it my way. And then, uh, as they're walking down the street talking about how great their life is going to be like, because it's like, could they telegraph this anymore? It's like dark. They're walking down the street. He gets shot at point blank range. And I'm surprised she didn't get shot too, to be honest, because she was right next to him. And, uh, they, okay, apparently, uh, from my research, too, this is, like, a, a running thing on the show, I think, where he, he's been taking photos of, I think, or maybe this is the only scene that does it, where he's been taking photos of Times Square. Yeah, I think it's a, a running thing, yeah. So, it's, it's been, it's like, in the cre- it, it's in the kind of part of the credits, too. Right, exactly. the sketches of, of and the, the pictures of Times Square and New well, York. Well, it was originally stuff. called Times Square, because, of course, he's so fucking old. He was right. taking it before it was called Times Square. He was called, he's like, and it was originally called the area now known as Times Square. <laughs> like, fuck you, John. So he's been doing this for like 106 years or something like that. As, and he says, as long as cameras have been around. I was like, I fucking hate this show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, even in his tar- horrible, like, um, like, a dream sequence memory situation, he's still an asshole. Because he's like, I've been doing this as long as cameras have been around. And it's, like, all these photos of Times Square over the years, and she's just like, look, thank you for finally showing this to me. And I have another, I need to make a gift of this too, guys, because it's so ridiculous. There's a, there's a, okay. I've been saying over the course of the episode, the vampire thing has been pissing me off. There's a second in here where he, he's behind her, and I know it was shot this way on purpose, but I don't think that they meant it the way it was construed, because... He does what I what I refer to as the vampire glide up to oh, the yeah. back of her shoulder. Yeah. Which is he's like Well, it's pushed, because like, two it's supposed to back. be like him dying. So in his right, dying but like, vision, he's gliding. For a 400-year-old dude, don't do the vampire glide. There's already enough vampire shit going on here. Yeah. Just leave that part of it out at least. It's already all like, you know, soft focus it makes and, you, like, and romantic I'm, seeming. True Blood came on the year after this show. So was some did somebody watch this and think we need the Vampire Glide and we need Chris Bauer? I fucking hate the Vampire Glide too. <laughs> like, That's one of my least favorite things. Those are two things. We need the Vampire Glide and Chris and I, Bauer. So. Let me explain that. I'll, I'll have the gif in the show notes, but essentially it's like when I guess it's like kind of like I'm assuming it's like a, it's put on a dolly or something, but it's some kind of a steady cam where someone is like two feet back and they just come closer to the other person without any of the their shoulders don't move. They just glide forward straight. 
and it looks like they're ghosts or something. But vampires <laughs> can do that because they're vampires and I don't know what the hell they're even doing. I guess they move so fast you don't see their shoulders move. I don't fucking know. But it's a very traditionally vampiric thing where they just kind of like dart across the room. Um, like they're little like zipping around like little like robots or something. And uh, he says to her like you made me mortal and I'm only to lose you. And then the accent at this point is really coming yeah. and going. Like it is barely there because he cannot play sleepy dying and still keep that like crazy Brooklyn accent. So it's just kind of like not even existing at this point. And then Dido starts playing. <laughs> and I was just like I was like done. I was so over this because I was already like this is terrible. And then, so after all that, you don't even know if he's fucking dead. They cut the scene. Of course, this is the penultimate episode. I, of course, couldn't handle that, so I watched a they little bit of the next episode. They don't cut the scene. They go, he's in the hospital. Right, he go, he, but you don't even know if he's going to be dead. Like, he's, he looks like he's on his deathbed, so you don't know if he's actually... Oh, he wait, wakes so, up, my notes are also he wakes up in the hospital, and literally everyone in the cast of this show is around his bed, which doesn't seem that Yeah, it's now. like a deathbed scene. But yeah. <laughs> But so I'm, so I'm like, after all that bullshit, he's not even dead. So like, what's the point of all the drama of, like, the vampire gliding and the, the soft-focus memory? But on top of that, why even, like, have this be the last... Let that be the very final episode. Don't well, make this I, I the mean, second to last episode. I mean, that was, like, the setup to the next episode, I guess, which... Whoa, no, no, no! This is why. Okay, so that was that episode. It was horrible. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. I'm not going to get into the second episode at large, but essentially, they throw it all right out the window. It's almost irrelevant. <laughs> can you even believe that? I was like, oh I was like, gosh. okay, well, the one thing I can be sure of, next episode's going to deal 100% with the mythology of the show, and then it's going to solve whether or not he's really dead or mortal, because you can't tell... Based on his, his, like, that scene, you would expect him to be mortal, at least. But even that, you don't really understand the ending. Like, the end game sort of seems like maybe that's proof that he is mortal, or maybe it's proof that he is immortal. Like, you can't tell. Turns out, he just, he was shot just the right place so that it, it, it didn't actually kill him. And if it had been three, three centimeters over, it would have killed him for sure. So I'm like, does that mean he's mortal, or does it mean he's immortal? I cannot understand. They never well, actually yeah, clarify I guess, it. I guess then I the episode because when they were writing these episodes... With their crayons, and <laughs> as they probably were, um, they were like, we're going to have 22 episodes, guys. It's going to be great. We don't have to answer any questions in episode 8. <laughs> then, they, <laughs> then they never made another episode. Or 9, because the next episode becomes another Story of the Week episode, where he's, he, the whole, the beginning of the episode, he's already jumped through his, he's back to swimming, and he, he's trained himself to get back into the force. So they don't even deal with any of the aftermath. It goes right back to him being a police officer. I'm like, what are we... Like, what is the point of this show? And then I'm going to jump through because it doesn't really matter. The whole episode is pointless. But the very end of it, he breaks up with his girlfriend. And she says uh, something along the lines of, When you were shot, it killed something in you. It killed us. And then he walks off alone to Times Square. And the thing fades to black. And that's the end of the entire show. (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't even get what they were trying there, because it just seems like, even if this is the situation where they already knew they were canceled before it started, you'd think they could at least nail the ending for the show so that they could, you know, have a decent story told, because nothing was solved, and then the whole point of the, penul- the penultimate episode and the premise of the show of him being mortal once he found his one true love is irrelevant, because now they broke up. So, 
who cares? Right. Like this is completely pointless. He's got another. He's got another notch. On Essentially, his belt. he's a, another. Oh it's God. another wife he left. <laughs> that's it, and that's the end of the show. So. Wow. What's so upsetting is the. Um, it's the difference in 2008 TV ratings and 2015. Mm-hmm. Is even the final episode had 6.7 million viewers. Ah, oh, it's crazy. And forever, yeah. which is obviously the same show. Like, their later episodes had, you know, obviously bigger premiere and everything, but they were, like, 4.9, 4.2, 5.2, and can- canceled. And Forever had a big fan following. Like, they have a very passionate fan base. hmm And they still weren't able to save it. And that's just depressing. <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I just, thank God I didn't watch this in real time, because if I had watched an entire series... And then at the very end, the resolution to the show is just, I'm going to break up with this girl I met. Six and then I'm going to walk off alone in Times Square. Yeah, 6.7 million forever. people were like, god damn it. And then they let it happen again. <laughs> forever. <laughs> but I'm sure, just like just like the, the John, oh, I should call him Dutch Amsterdam's out there, every few years someone's going to reinvent themselves and like become a CIA agent. So we're going to have our next version of Forever in like another four, three, six years, whatever. And it'll just be another ageless cop with no interesting story besides I don't die. Like, at least give it something. At least John Doe had some kind of weird ulterior situation going on. Like, you can't just have someone be immortal. That's, I mean, it's vaguely interesting, but even something like that, uh, similar to that, like, uh, uh, what the fuck is it called? Tuck Everlasting? That's one where all there was is immortality. That was kind of the gist of the whole plot, but at least there was a spring. That, like, there was, like, a whole other... But the, the immortality part of this feels almost... It's like, oh, that's a closed door. That's already been solved. We don't really care about it. Let's just talk about the cop stuff. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. The only interesting aspect of this is the mortality. Don't not talk about it. That's boring. But they didn't, so... <laughs> yeah, like, don't just be a procedural when you have this element. Like... Exactly. I mean, it makes more sense to me that way, but... And they didn't ever bring up... There was no... Like, sci- like science fiction element to the crimes that he solves, from what I can tell. It's 100% normal it's a procedural cop show. He just happens to be a 400-year-old policeman. <sighs> that doesn't even make sense, because immortality <laughs> is not, like, a normal thing. That's, ma- like, a magical thing in some way. So they never address any other people being immortal or none, none of that right. stuff. Well, it... Yeah, it was a spell that was performed on You know, him. as spells like, are. <laughs> there's, no, there's no supernatural... There's no supernatural element, like, whatsoever. It's just, yeah, like... It's said, ironic it's to me because shows that are less, um... In, less in... in cra- Like, in unbelievable circumstance like that are actually more supernatural-leaning. Because this- there, there are certainly shows that are, like... Like, something like... I don't even know, like a... Like X Files, well, even like, or something like that. That's a show where it's incredibly based in reality, but it's unbelievable circumstances are happening. This was like um, so, more right, like a fairy tale right. kind of thing because yeah. it was like, okay, you got this magical spell on you by this girl because you saved her, and then so the whole thing is you need to have true love's kiss, 
basically to break the spell you need to find your soulmate so that was kind of the fairy tale aspect of it but like other shows that are similar that we're talking about like even I, I assume forever that's part of the plot and different things was like okay you know you they want to find out you know where this came from or why they they are the way they are or how they can stop it and things like that or other people yeah. like them. It's like Grimm yeah, is like, like that. Yeah, they're like actually working like towards some kind of resolution of the situation. Sleepy and his whole like thing is just to fall in love. Like, <laughs> there's no other mystical and aspect nor- of I it. I mean, like- besides the fact that he's a 400-year-old man, there's nothing extraordinary right. about him at all. He's completely normal. Everything about the show is completely normal. He just happens to be a 400... It's like, it's like Law and Order SVU 400 years. Like, Which that's is the show. Which is about how long it's- Law and Order SVU is going to last. So, <laughs> so essentially, uh, we're waiting for for I guess it'll probably be Munch at this point. It will be like a four hundred year old ice tea. It's gonna be ice tea. I mean, honestly, he's the closest yeah. we have to it. Ice tea too, maybe. But Munch has been on everything <laughs> for ever. Ice tea. Oh man! All right, so that's New Amsterdam, guys. I hope we we made it somewhat interesting. It was hard to deal with because it was so infuriating, but it was such a fascinating failure of a show that I just, I feel like it needs to be at least discussed or Can addressed. I, I have to mention before we like end here that the pilot episode was directed by Lassa Hallstrom. Of course it was. You know, Cider House rules, Chocolat, Lassa Hallstrom. He, he, um, <laughs> I think he takes a lot of roles for just money. Not to be, I don't want to say anything, but I think he, he'll do, you, like, that whole, like, you know, one for me, one for... Do you mean you yeah. don't think Lassa Hallstrom really believed in the story of Dutch Amber- <laughs> Amsterdam and... Well, he does a lot of those Nicholas Sparks movies, too, so I think he, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Well, he did, like, a lot of ABBA music videos in the old days, so I guess... Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's a pretty looking show. The credits are nice. I mean, it's not shot amazingly, but I could see, like, it has the ability, because based on the credits, I bet that there are episodes that are a little bit better shot. Than the credits one. are the best part of the show, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And the sad part well, is, like, geez. there you can't even find the credits to look at on YouTube, because it's like they've erased every piece of existence of this show off of the internet. No one no one is meant to ever see this. <laughs> like episode. you cannot find it anywhere. It doesn't exist. <sighs> yeah. We'll never see the light. Like, I don't know if that was like Jamie Lannister was like, you need to erase this shit. I'm on Game of Thrones now. <laughs> like, right. Or what? Get but... that out of my fucking IMDB. <laughs> yeah. Just pretend oh, it didn't man. happen. Well do we have any other wrap up thoughts or we can move on to plugs if you guys are good. I think I'm good. Oh man. Alright, so what's up with you, Lisa? Uh, as always, I tweet at It's Lisa E, and then I've uh, been covering different TV stuff for the Televixen. And I have my blog, always Lisa E writes.tumblr.com, and I write about horror movies and shark movies and stuff. That's about it. Awesome. Alright, and what's up with you, Carly? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Equivocarly. Um,. And I'm I'm pretty much a regular contributor on Hello Giggles and the Mary Sue, um, and I have a I have a piece coming out soon that I can't talk about, but it's I'm excited about it. So hopefully by the time this airs, it'll be it'll be out next week. <laughs> yes, check Carly's Twitter. She will link. Yes, it Twitter soon. for updates. <laughs> yes. yes, I'm very right. excited. It's it's X Files related. So. Oh yes. Ooh, very nice. Alright, well, stay tuned for that, and as always, I am at Mara E um, on Twitter. You can uh, find us at the Televoid uh, at Televoid at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook. 
The next episode of this show is going to be popular. Season 2, episode 16, Fag. Not a great episode, so we're going to talk about that. Um, and then, uh, like I said, uh, we'll be here next week. And I think, uh, I think Lisa, you'll be joining yep. us again. And uh, hopefully it'll be an interesting episode. I, don't, I haven't seen that in a long time. The hard thing is going to be not watching 18 other episodes <laughs> of Popular. Because it was amazing, even though it was really campy and ridiculous. So, uh, stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, thanks for wandering into the Televoid, guys. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks.